Welcome to The Banker Midweek, your weekly look at what the industry is talking about, offering information bankers like you need to know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Banker Midweek. And it's one of our favorite types of Banker Midweeks because we are LinkedIn Live. We are. We're back. We're back. Myself, Liz Lee, and Anita Hauser are your Banker Midweek editors this week on a very, very sunny London day. And I brought a fan because I'm, I'm glowing. As, as happens with, with women at times. Um, so we're going to have an interesting show. I mean, usually we talk about stories on the site and stories elsewhere, but we're, we're just going to talk about banking stuff and fintech stuff this week because it's conference season, as we know. It is uh, London Tech Week, uh, and it's also Fintech Fringe, not to be confused with London Fintech Week, which is next week. Not to be confused with Money 2020, which was in Amsterdam last week, which I went to. And then no one would confuse that with uh, EBA Day, Euro Bankers Association Day in Madrid next week, which you and I will attend. Yes, you'll be having more of us <laughs> next, a double dose of Liz double and I dose, from I know. EBA Day. We will, we will be coming to you, maybe not live uh, in Madrid, but uh, but we will be coming to you on the Bank of Midweek at EBA Day. So we will be missing London FinTech Week, but we're not missing London Tech Week, which it has FinTech Fringe. It's very... Anyway, before we get into London Tech Week, because there's some announcements that happened uh, this week, I, as I mentioned before, I came back from Money 2020, um, the big American payment show that's been going, I think this is its sixth European incarnation, you um, know, two years in Copenhagen and four years in Amsterdam, not counting COVID nonsense. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to give you my hot takes on money 2020. Um, last year, every single vendor and, and half the, the stages were talking about buy now, pay later. No one mentioned it this year. <laughs> now, why is that, Liz? Hmm, it's not the flavor of the year, month anymore. There was a few vendors uh, hanging around, but yeah, it's uh, it's not the it, in the in the in the uh, high interest rates, high inflation, um, uh, concerns about getting people into debt. Buy now, pay later, is not what people want to talk about anymore. But what they were talking about, also what was scarce uh, compared to last year at Money 2020 Europe, was uh, talk about crypto. There were very few um, crypto vendors. I think I was, um, I've got a video. I sat down with um, the head of innovation uh, at ING. Now, of course, ING is headquartered in Amsterdam, but they did not have a booth, but they had 25 people there because it just made more sense to them. Um, and they told me, and you'll see this in the video, that one of the reasons why they didn't take out a booth was because last year they just got inundated with crypto firms that just made no sense, <laughs> that didn't have any relevance um, for who they were. And I spoke to a few other bankers on the floor um, and they said they'd had, you know, uh, uh, tech companies come up to them saying, you know, do you have a, a fraud solution, a KYC solution? And they're like, we're a regulated bank. Yeah, we do. Do your homework. So it's kind of an it's kind of a funny it's a funny show. Um, before I get into uh, a little bit more about crypto, what was interesting was the phrase I heard the most on the, the three days of Money 2020 was, I haven't been to any sessions yet. There were a lot of stages. There was like 12 stages, um, including one uh, that I was in uh, that was in the middle of the exhibition hall underneath a big window. So, of course, it was very warm and hot. 
but uh, but we had a good attendance when I did a panel on embedded finance. Um, so it's you know money twenty twenty is that show where you get you get more value just like bumping into people, you know, being seen to be there and seeing people you haven't seen in a few years. And um, I don't, what what do, you, what do you think? I mean, <laughs> I I have been in the past and there were loads. This is pre COVID. Mm. This is a pre COVID lifetime. Um, <laughs> And it was very crypto heavy. Yeah. Um, and it's always interesting because whenever you go to like, I remember people saying to, at Cybos, I haven't been to any of the sessions or, you know, a lot of conferences where there's also an exhibition. Mm. A lot of people don't go to to the sessions. Well, it was interesting. They had sessions. They had, um, I don't know if any of those of you listening who have been to the Rye in Amsterdam, it's this it's massive complex, um, but there's a back area um, called the beach where there's, it's like sand and there's like boats and so they kind of opened that up to a big bar area but walking through there there was a tiny little stage I think it was called like the out of the box stage or the hidden like it was like they, they just stuck they had sessions in there as well um, but what's interesting about the lack of crypto this year was I also had a fireside chat with the Gemini European uh, CEO uh, Jillian Lynch so Gemini is the Winklevoss, Winklevi twins, crypto firm. Uh, They're getting sued by the SEC, just like uh, Biance, and it's a rite of passage. And they're on record as saying that they consider the regulatory environment in the U.S. Uh, hostile and lacking in clarity. And that's not an opinion; that's that's just theirs. Uh, but they but they've said it out loud. But she was very um, mature, and it was a it was an interesting conversation. Her motto is ask um permission not for forgiveness <laughs> which is kind of the opposite of that startup world and she's very um very pro on the um uh, on the progress with mica and the forthcoming regulation she thought that was a a huge leap forward uh, from the eu uh looking looking at crypto uh, regulation but it was it was an interesting chat that we had yeah, I think there's a sentiment that the U.S. You keep, you know, seeing articles that people feel the U.S. is going to be left behind when it comes to sort of this whole sort of digital mm-hmm. assets and crypto space, and the and the fight continues over whether is crypto a security? Is it a commodity? <laughs> what is crypto? It exa- We'll get into that in a bit. Is it gambling or a financial service? It's a story on the banker site right now. Um, it, yeah, and it was there was a lot on stage about open banking and embedded finance, as I mentioned. But I think a lot of people were talking about, of course, um, uh, AI, generative AI. There wasn't much on stage, but so I'm, I'm predicting that next year we'll see a lot more sessions about uh, generative AI. I think that's just going to continue. Um, it's not. I don't think it's. Do you think it's going to early days? Do you think early it's gonna, like where is it on the hype cycle on that? It's it's still not in the trough of disillusionment. <laughs> obviously, it's on that upward sort of sort of trajectory before it sort of drops into the trough as it were I guess it's too early I I was I wouldn't be surprised that there wasn't that much there at the event I think everybody's jumping on the bandwagon yeah at the minute and sort of trying to figure out how how it's going to apply to them yeah yeah so I I do. I know. I can see the key. The question. Thank you so much, Sam. Friend, our online editor, making sure. So, for the very first time in our LinkedIn Live experience, I can actually see the questions. Uh, and this is from Mason Trab Trabusi. Uh, so, good morning. Do you still believe crypto would survive in the U.S., especially after central bank digital currencies is introduced? Um, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I've asked this question before when stories I've written about CBDCs. Mm. I don't know. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I think a lot of people also, I think they'll coexist. Mm. I mean, I think cryptocurrency is an umbrella term for a lot of things. For a lot of things, exactly. So I don't think that, that you know, that whole space is going to disappear just because it's central banked backed money. There's also a lot of issues with the CBDCs, particularly retail CBDCs. Mm. And the US isn't, doesn't appear to be moving as fast. There's forward. a lot of hysteria in the US about retail central bank digital currencies. There well. is, but also I don't really see as big a use case mm. for retail CBDCs mm. as I do say for wholesale. Also, yeah. So no, no, I, <laughs> no would be the short answer to that. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a there's a place for crypto. We'll see where it um, how it matures over 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 the uh, coming years. Okay, so let's leave money 2020 because as I mentioned once again. It's London Tech Week. Um, and Rishi Sunak, our prime minister, has been busy tweeting black and white logos of lots of announcements uh, that happened this week. So HSBC have now unveiled what they have done with their one pound acquisition of Silicon Valley Bank UK. And this is going to be a new entity at the bank. Uh, it's HSBC, but it's a separate entity and it's called HSBC Innovation Banking. Um, and it's kind of a global operation. They've taken on a lot of staff from Central Bank, uh, from uh, from Silicon Valley Bank. I, I sat down with the CEO, Erin, uh, 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 earlier today to have a chat. She's from she's from the bank, um, and they want to deliver a globally connected, specialized banking proposition to support a broad range of innovation businesses and their investors. And the CEO I spoke to today. This will be an article on thebanker.com. She said that the HSBC acquisition helped them realize goals that they were planning about, you know, seven to 10 years in the future that they can realize now, such as opening up um, a wealth um, management business like they had in the U.S. and, and opening that up here. And she also said, um, even though it is run as a separate entity, it is still very much HS an HSBC bank. So it has that sort of security of deposit <laughs> and maybe people will understand what an interest rate is um but yeah so uh, so we'll see so that was launched uh this week um uh going forward what, what do you think of that announcement do you, I, do you like the name i know that twitter doesn't like the name <laughs> hey innovation and banking in the same in the same um in the same term is that an oxymoron i don't know um, there's magic in innovation banking. <laughs> um I watched the very slick launch video on LinkedIn with Rishi Sunak and startups who were talking mm -hmm. about what is what they needed. They were saying we need a bank that is stable, agile, and has an understanding of what speed is, and that is also stable. Mm. Historically, I don't think banks have been great at the speed and agility yeah. side of things. So I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting to see how HSBC, how innovative HSBC mm. innovation banking really can be. Um, I mean, it's interesting that I kind of predicted this, that they would run it as a separate entity. You know, right. it, it is its yeah, own. Makes sense. And they're still in the same offices that Silicon Valley Bank UK had here in London. And they have their own balance sheet, mm -hmm. which I think is important because mm -hmm. it's a different type of business. I, I'm curious if they're going to be doing the same as what SVB in the US did, because it gave startups access to non-dilutive capital. Mm -hmm. Is that what they're going to be doing. They said they're they're looking for all innovation businesses up until IPO. That's their client base they're going for. 
Are they going to be financing it in the same way as SVB did, though? The non-dilutive aspect, I think, is really important. And do they under really understand the requirements of these companies that burn through cash pretty mm. quickly and go through multiple rounds of funding? Well, I think it's it's the same people that were involved before. So, Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, that's great then. Great yeah. for startups. Um, I think that proof will be in the pudding, mm. won't it? We'll see how that how it pans out. I mean, compare and contrast with the the one in the U.S. as well. See which one becomes more successful. Just one final thought. I remember writing about the sale when um, of SVB to H HSBC, and there were some cynics that thought they primarily bought it because of the ring fencing benefits. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this now dispels that kind of um, thinking. We are watching HSBC Innovation Banking. I'm, I'm told all the signs have changed as well. Okay, so this is another um, uh, London Tech Week announcement, which isn't strictly, it's crypto. Um, I was about to say it's not strictly financial services. But so Andresine Horowitz Venture Capital Fund, uh, the one they dedicated to crypto and Web3 startups, has opened its first overseas office in London. Um, so this got, this got a lot of attention um, from the the the, the the VC world and the startup world. The VC was attracted to the UK by its regulatory regime, which has embraced the crypto and Web3 economy in a bid to stamp out the casino culture that has tarnished the industry. I'm wondering if that's possible. What's that? <laughs> the casino. Yeah. It's interesting. How do you rub it? How do you, how do you, <laughs> the crypto genies will come out. Um, sorry. No, um, the casino culture, though, I find that an int interesting mm. turn of phrase because that's what used to be a term that was used to describe banking mm -hmm. uh, yeah. during the last global financial crisis. Yeah, Let's exactly. get rid of the casino culture of banking. Now they're talking about the casino culture of crypto. Yeah, so this is, I, I'm so glad you brought this up because I have heard from so many crypto bros um, that, you know, crypto or even more so than fintech, you know, grew out of this mistrust of the traditional banking system. And basically, they just tried to create a global and unreg unregulated global financial services ecosystem, which was what caused problems with the traditional financial services system way back in two, 1920, 1929. I mean... What, what was that but beyond the, that quote but we're running an unregulated securities exchange in the US bro <laughs> that came out of the 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 reason why S the SEC is suing uh Bions. I mean guys regulation regulation is fun learn to hug a regulator learn to love the FCA and yeah I'm going to go <laughs> Save me. Save me. <laughs> I mean, I yes, regulation. But has regulation made banking safer? We still saw a digital run on banks. We still saw the collapse yeah. of various U.S. banks. So I think that's disputed. I'm certainly sure people in the DeFi world would argue against that. Mm -hmm. But look, let's see how it, how it plays out. But I think it's an interesting use of phrase. I mean, casino culture. I think people under the false belief it's just a problem with crypto mm -hmm. when it's not. Crypto doesn't scam people. People scam people. It's us humans. Maybe the robots will take over crypto and, and run it. Generative AI. Robo-regulators. 
It's, I'm, I'm, I welcome our robot overlords, actually. I'm, I'm welcoming that time. Okay, so the final story we're going to talk about today is Anne Bowden has stepped down as Starling CEO. And according to a report in the Financial Times, this was over an investor clash. So it was interesting before this FT article came out, which I'll, I'll read a little bit um, of in a, in, a, in a minute. Her sudden uh, resignation caused a lot of um, uh, talk. I, I had a lot of WhatsApp group messages about uh, speculating why. I mean, especially since, uh, you know, mm. she kind of founded this bank uh, from her own force of will, <laughs> where uh, there are a lot of people in the industry weren't uh, weren't rallying behind her. And and it it's a successful bank. It became a profitable bank. Um, and it was heading towards an IPO. And I think a lot of people thought that as CEO, she would at least stay with it until IPO uh, to, to see. Uh, to, so this this uh, resignation was kind of a um, uh, a shock. But according to the FT, uh, what people that they spoke to, um, she uh, stepped down following a row with investors over a more than a billion pound fall in the valuation of the digital lender. So she's, I think, going to stay on on the board as well, but she's no longer CEO and Chief Operating Officer John Mountain will take over as interim chief executive, I think, until they find a new chief executive. Um, you know, and I've never, I really admire Anne because, I mean, I've never worked for her and, 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 and you know, we're, we're not close personal friends, but I, I, I know her, I've met her several events and she's always um, taken the time to sit down and, and have a chat with me or, or an interview with me when I needed it. And and starting a bank is very difficult. So I really admire that she stuck to her guns and, and created a bank that um, it's the bank that, that my son spent five minutes opening up his first adult bank account and tells all his friends to go on the app and open it up. But um, what, are, what are your thoughts on this, on the uh, her stepping down? Yeah, I wonder if she was sort of pushed. This is well. There was. Yeah. I mean, I don't think she would have gone easily. It is <laughs> mm. very much Starling is her vision. Mm. Um, I think it's a shame because we have very few female banking yeah. CEOs, and you kind of question, well, what is Starling Bank going to be like without Anne Bowden? Exactly. Yeah, I know. I know that I'm not a big fan of founder culture or founder worship, but yeah, no, I agree. And you know, Anne Bowden and Starling were very linked from a, a marketing and presentation point of view. Yeah. And last time I saw her, she was speaking at Web Summit in Lisbon last year, mm. talking about the fact that she now spends most of her time traveling around the world selling Starling Bank to other banks. Mm. Oh, yeah, they, they, they sell their technology. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, she's not, she's still there. She's still there on the board. So. But can you wield much influence as a non exec? No. Mm. I wonder I'm what gonna... she'll do next. Will yeah. she start another bank? Probably not. No. I... <laughs> But. It's kind of like when people wonder whether Hillary Clinton will run for president of the U.S. <laughs> like just for her mental health. No, right. don't don't do it again. Do something else. Do you think she's maybe she'll start like a foundation, like a charitable foundation for like women in STEM or something like that? Well, but I guess she's stepping down at a time when it's profitable. It's one of the few challenger banks mm -hmm. that actually is profitable. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, she's she's leaving or stepping down at a time when the bank is in a good position. Mm. And also the, you know, the supposed rival Monzo, they've just hit profitability. That's as well. right. 
Yes. Are they in the, they're in our top 1000 for the first time ever? Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Coming coming up soon in the July issue, top 1000, the banker. Um, yeah, no brain jinx. No, we, we wish her well and we um, uh, hope to see what Ann Bowden does next. Mm. What's this space? Let me see. Oh, we have, who are we? So we have uh, from Mason. Thank you for your answer. Oh, furthermore, in the uh, absence, crypto regulators, in the USA and in the shadow of EU and MICA. In addition, oh my God, I can't read all of this. I think we're probably gonna end this, but thank you so much, Mazin. This is very long. Thank you for responding. I will read this through <laughs> in our spare time. Um, so are you going to, we're both going to EBA day. We're we'll both be at EBA day. day. We'll be at EBA day next. I'm moderating a panel in the morning, a, um, a strategic On. round table looking at, um, sort of transaction banking and payments and how banks can thrive in a rapidly evolving landscape. So, yeah. I am moderating a panel on central bank digital currencies. My favorite topic next to ISO 2022. <laughs> That's EBA day is the first place I ever heard the term ISO 2022. It's been a long journey. I'm sure you're, yes. Is it, it'll probably be the same long journey with CBDC. <laughs> Anita, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we'll be, we'll have you back next week as well. And thank you for watching us on LinkedIn Live. And you can also uh, be able to download this and listen to this on the regular podcast uh, platform, Banker Midweek, tomorrow as well. So thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Banker Midweek, part of the portfolio of podcasts from the editorial team at The Banker, available on thebanker.com and wherever you get your podcast fix. Search on The Banker Podcasts to listen to more.